God's word for you today. For everyone streaming all around the world, we greet you. We're live from Sacramento, California to all of our followers and friends and church members all around the world. We began a series in September called Fresh Oil, Holy Fire, New Wine. For two months, we talked about fresh oil. If you have yet to hear this series, make sure you go on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, go to our app, and you'll be able to listen to every single sermon on the fresh oil part. Here's what we believe in this church. We're not buying into the narrative that we have to wait for a new year to step into victory. For everyone here who is going, I I can't wait for this year to wrap up, and then next year it's going to be my year of victory, you're in the wrong place. We're going to end up this year. We will finish in victory, and we're going to step into a level glory of God's glory. We don't go from problem to problem. We go from glory to glory. There is a biblical narrative for the month of November. We're going to call this month the month of holy fire. Somebody say holy fire. The Bible is full, very just Old Testament, New Testament. It references, in matter of fact, some were referenced in the previous weeks. There are strange fires. There are foreign fires. But then there is a holy fire. God's holy fire is completely directly related to his spirit being present. From Matthew 3, 11 to Acts chapter 2, verse 3, wherever the Holy Spirit was present, there was fire. Wherever God is present, there is holy fire. And the fire of God is a sanctifying fire. It is a purifying fire. It is a redeeming fire, a regenerative fire. That fire must be present in your life. Now, there is a biblical narrative in the Old Testament that years ago, everyone that would go to church would be privy to, at least the vast majority. But we're living in a different day and age. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you ever heard of this story, raise one hand. If you've never heard of the story, right now you probably assumed I was speaking in tongues. But I wasn't. I'm cross-referencing three Hebrew boys who are part of the Hall of Faith of Fame. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To capture holy fire, this is the biblical narrative. Open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read the narrative because it's important. It's a story. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious, verse 19, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage, anger management issues. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than the usual. Somebody say seven times. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them up and throw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants their turbans, their robes, and other garments. This is important. Because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. The very thing that put them in ended up consumed. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Is anyone here grateful for biblical suddenlies? Is anyone here because suddenly God showed up and turned things around in your life? But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see how many men? Four men. Unbound, walking around in the fire, unbound unharmed 
And the fourth looks like a God. Like a boss, baby, like a boss. <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Wait a minute, now Nebuchadnezzar, the one that put him in there, starts worshiping their God. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. By the way, Nebuchadnezzar was not a believer. Nebuchadnezzar was a secular man. He was a narcissist. He was so full of himself that he created a statue in his own image by coincidence and obligated everyone to worship him. All of a sudden, he starts worshiping the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because he saw the fourth man show up in the furnace. There are people that don't believe but the moment they surround you and they see the fourth man, which is Jesus, in your life, they will start giving glory and honor to the real God, the King of Kings. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out! So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. What? Not a hair on their heads was singed. And their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. They went through hell, but they still smelled like heaven. You'll get that by tomorrow morning. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, here he is praising again. Pray, guy couldn't stop praising now. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command. That's him and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. There it is. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, if anyone dares come against the god of Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. Woo! Their houses will be burned into heaps of rubble because there is no other god who can rescue like this. Oh, y'all missed that part. Nebuchadnezzar said, there is no other God who can rescue like this. I know we haven't started preaching. We just read the Bible. We read the word. But let me ask one time, is there anyone here who can bear witness that there is no other God who can rescue? But Does anybody here have a testimony that you know that you know that you know that there is no other God that can save you but Jesus? There is no other God who can set you free but Jesus. There is no other God who can heal you but Jesus. There is no other God who can save your children and your children's children and your children's children's children but Jesus. There is no other God who can turn you around and place your feet on solid ground. There is no other God who can provide for all of your needs but Jesus. No other God. No other God. So then the king, I'm just reading it. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. I want to speak to you on the subject matter. This is going to take the month of November. We're going to break this passage down verse by verse. This is it. Holy fire. When faith goes through the fire, the outcome is favor. I need to break this down for you. Everybody say faith. This biblical narrative is about three things. It is about faith, fire, and favor. If you read it all, it's about faith, fire, and favor. 
That's what we, right now, that's our current reality, faith, fire, and favor. Faith. Everybody say faith. 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 Hebrews 11.1. 1. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That is faith. What is faith? Matthew 21, 22. When you pray by faith, believing you will receive that very thing. The Bible is so explicit. It says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Matter of fact, we are saved by grace through faith. In Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith as much as a You'll be able to tell that mountain to move from here to there, and it will. Faith. Somebody say faith. faith. It, we, because the Bible is explicit, we not only have faith in Jesus, Romans 10, 9, when we confess it, we not only have faith in Jesus, we have the faith of Jesus. Oh, uh, y'all missed that. You miss, it's the faith of Jesus. Faith. Somebody say faith. faith. Now, that's faith over here. I want to jump over here and talk about Favor. Somebody say favor. favor. You know what favor is? Favor is when God opens a door for you that only you can go through. That other people try to go through it, but God says, no, that door was only for you. What favor? Christmas is coming up. Favor. This is really bad. You need to just create some space here for this. Favor is when, if you have siblings, raise your hand. Favor is when your siblings get socks and underwear for Christmas and you get like the best toy, <sighs> right? Trauma. Some of y'all just got triggered. <sighs> so boom, boom, boom. So back, back there. You're going back. F- favor is when you get something the rest do not. Somebody say favor. favor. That's favor. Genesis six eight. The Bible says that God favored Noah because he was a righteous man. I love that. Psalm eighty four eleven. The Lord, it's our God, is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and favor. He withholds no good thing from those who do what is right. Favor is a great thing. Favor is like tag you're in. You know, favor is everybody gets just a, a little, little cup of coffee and you get like a triple shot almond milk. And, and it's free and it's vente and it's yours. It's like, what just happened? Praise be God. Favor. That's favor. Now let me tell you the secret sauce. What if I tell you that faith and favor are the same thing? Huh? Favor is not just random prophetic serendipity. Favor is not just, oh, because you smile, you get this. Favor is faith that goes through the fire. If you be careful when you ask for God's favor, because to ask for God's favor is to tell God, I am willing for my faith to go through the fire. When your faith goes through the fire, the outcome is favor. When your faith gets tested, the outcome is favor. If you've never been through the fires of life, you're never going to experience the favor of God. But if your faith has been tested, if your faith has been through the fire, if your faith has been through hell, and yet you're still standing, put a smile on your face. Because... On the other side of the fire, there is favor. Somebody needs to hear that. On the other side of what you're going through right now, there is favor. Pastor Sam, this year was a year of fire. Let put, put your dancing shoes on. If this year you went through the fire, you're about to step into a season. And a, Anybody here ready for favor? Anybody here ready for favor? Faith. And favor, 
Favor is faith that's going through a process. You've been through the fire. You in that fire, are you? In that fire. You didn't just acquiesce, surrender in that fire. You wept and it hurt and it was uncomfortable, but you held on to faith. You held on to faith in the middle of the hell you went through, in the middle of the medical report, in the middle of people leaving you, in the middle of everything the devil threw your way. You still had your faith. You held on to faith. You wept, but you wept praising. Am I preaching anybody here? You were exhausted. You were disappointed. But you held on to faith. You kept on saying, I know that my Redeemer liveth. You lost some things and you gained some things. And then you opened up your mouth and you said, the Lord giveth. The Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. All right. It's faith. So, so when faith goes through the fire. If your faith survives the fire, it comes out as what? So I don't want to, I'm going to, calm down, Samuel. I I don't want to be presumptuous, but if your faith just went through the fire, do you realize when you come out, you're about to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of? I don't know about you, but I'm declaring favor for me, for my family, for my children, for my children's children, for my children's 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 children. I'm declaring favor upon our church, every member, every family, every adherent, every attendee. It's a process. So that's the message for the next, for the next few weeks in November. So let's begin with only one point today. Only one. Only because all we, that's it, just one point. One point sermon today. Faith becomes favor when you refuse to bow. Write that down. Put the point down. Faith becomes favorite when you refuse to bow. Because we need to digress here a bit. How did this happen? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Jews. They were part of the Babylonian captivity. What does that mean? They were Israelites, Jewish people. Babylon invaded Israel, destroyed Jerusalem, took the Jews, especially young men and women, and they brought them up into Babylon. Babylon would be modern-day Iraq. So they took them, and I don't, I, we, we don't do any politics in this church. We speak the truth. But there are truths that do have political ramifications. That's not our issue. If there's a biblical issue that people want to politicize, that's their issue. But I'm not going to ignore preaching the word of God because it has some sort of political ramification. That's just not fair to the gospel. No way. So this whole issue right now with Israel and Hamas, oh, Pastor Sam, is this a political issue? This has been going on from the beginning. From Genesis. This is Isaac and Ishmael. This is Starbucks and Dutch Brothers. Do you follow what I'm saying? From the beginning. So Pastor Sam went, no. This, the inevitable conclusion is we already know. We already know what God has ordained and laid out. And we're going to see it come to pass. And by the way, I'm getting a lot because of what's happening and this whole thing. I, I get a lot of DMs and messages. Pastor Sam, are we living in the last days? Why are we like, no, come on. I mean, are you kidding me? Are we living in the last days? Is the line on in and out a long line? <laughs> there are things you don't have to ask. You pass by in and out, and they're there, they're there. <laughs> yeah, we're living in the last days. And I'll show it to you real quick. 1948, Israel becomes a nation. The Bible says when, when, when they would return from the great exile back to the land of their origins, back to their fathers, it would be the beginning of the last days. 
1948, boom, big sign. The second big sign is when there is a great falling away called the great apostasy. That's for the church. That's us. The Bible says that the church, a big part of the church would stop preaching the truth. Start embracing sin. Accommodating the culture. In other words, in our words, drinking the Kool-Aid. And when you see the church not preaching truth or ignoring certain subject matters because they fear people and the ramifications, it's called heresy. When you try to take away biblical passages because it's not in alignment with the majority of the culture, that's called heresy. When you're afraid to preach the truth, it's called heresy. Are we living in that? Yes. But in this church, we're going to preach everything the Bible says about every subject matter. So help us, holy God because we don't really have a choice they brought them in they brought the Israelites in in captivity so Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego were nerds they were these brilliant young men who spoke multiple languages brilliant these guys would be creating artificial intelligence today they're brilliant a bunch of techies just brilliant Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego oh snap, come here Nebuchadnezzar heard about these three little nerdy kids, young men, Jews who were brilliant. Well, put them in my staff. Yeah, but they're really good. You know what? I don't care if they're Jews. Elevate them. And they got promoted. And they got promoted. And they got promoted. Because faith, listen, you could be in Babylon, but when the favor of God is on you, that favor cannot be stopped. <laughs> nah, y'all missed that part. So they get promoted. And all of a sudden, then Nebuchadnezzar has his moment. Nebuchadnezzar looks at himself in the mirror one day and says, you are my God. You are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Look at you, sexy man, you. Nebuchadnezzar looks at himself in the mirror. I want to be like you when I grow up. Yeah, let's do a statue. Let's have everyone worship it. All right. Just go out there, make a law, and then of course his team acquiesce and everybody just placated to his narcissism. So, statue. All right, everyone, everyone worships, no problem. You know, take your coffee break, your lunch break, make sure you bow. When you see my statue, bow, bow, bow. Okay, bow. All of a sudden, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were high in his government, they come over and they go, all right, guys, you're part of the team. You see the statue, go bow. Shadrach goes, I'm, bow. bow. Bow to what? The statue. Shadrach goes, I'm sorry. You got to bow. Take your knee. Go down. Yeah, I know what bowing means. But I'm just not going to do that. Meshach, you going to do that? No, man, I'm not going to do that. Abednego, you going to do that? No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because the law tells us the only one that will get our worship is the God of Israel. And that's how they ended up getting a suntan. That's how they ended up in the fiery furnace. I want you to hear me. We are a prophetic minority living in a pathetic world. Nebuchadnezzar wants us to worship. I know we're streaming around the world, but I want you to hear me carefully. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 9, Satan looked at Jesus and said, if you bow, the same words of Nebuchadnezzar, bow. The enemy wants you to bow to kneel. The Hebrew word for that is barak. There is a de facto war to make us bow. Hell wants you to worship the gods of Babylon. 
When you bow, you worship. When you bow, you surrender. When you bow, you submit. There are people that bow. They bow to lies. They bow to fear. They bow to a rainbow. They bow to a flag. They bow to a virus. They bow to a political ideology. Nebuchadnezzar wants us to bow. He wants us to worship the false, to sacrifice truth, to rewrite the Bible, to delete whatever is politically and culturally incorrect. Nebuchadnezzar wants us to bow before our problems. But I came to tell you today in Sacramento, California, the capital of the largest state of the U.S. of A, there is a generation in Sacramento, California that will not bow. I must say that one more time for the hearing impaired. There is a generation in Sacramento, California, in Los Angeles, in this state, in this nation, and around. There's a generation arising like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that says, we will not bow. We will not surrender truth. We will not settle for less. There's a generation of John 8, 32, a generation that knows the truth that will not bow to lies. There is a generation of Ephesians 6, 13, a generation that doesn't lean or bow, a generation that stands. Oh, they want us to bow. Listen to me. I don't want to get you upset, but I got to tell you the truth. Everything is asking us to bow. Depression, anxiety, fear, ideologies, constructs, spirits, just things that want you to bow, 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 bow. The day is coming. You want to bow? You want to bow? The day is coming. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. At the name. I'm going to teach my children and my grandchildren not to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. Not to bow to the world. Not to bow to a cancel culture. Not to bow to all the ideologies and teachings that are false out of alignment with the word of God. I'm not going to bow to a lie, but one day everyone's going to bow. It says this, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. Watch this, and under the earth, everyone who has died, who has ever lived, every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. The only one that we bow to is the one who died on the cross shed his blood and on the third day resurrected from the dead is there a church in Sacramento California is there a generation that will no longer bow to depression no longer bow to anxiety no longer bow to fear is there a generation that says as for me and my house we will only bow before the presence of Jesus Somebody repeat after me. Every knee. Every knee knee means what? It means what? Every knee. No, no, you missed that. Every single human being who has ever lived will bow. Every president will bow. Every king will bow. Every pastor will bow. Every prophet will bow. Every religious leader will bow. I don't know if you understand what this means. Attila the Hun will bow. Napoleon will bow. Adolf Hitler will bow. Lenin will bow. Mao Zedong will bow. Every Hamas terrorist will bow. Every knee shall. Not only that, 
It talks about spiritual elements and physical. I don't know you know what that means. Every devil, demon, legion, principality, and power of darkness will bow. You know what that means? Put a smile on your face. Cancer will bow. Diabetes will bow. Pornography will bow. Alcoholism will bow. Poverty will bow. Everything that held your family back will bow and declare that that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. If you believe and give God a shout of praise. Somebody lift up your hands. Addiction with your hands raised. Addiction will bow. Every multi-generational curse will bow. Racism will bow. Identity moratorium and confusion will bow. Identity fluidity will bow. Lift up your hands. Fear-mongering will bow. Narcissism will bow. Pride will bow. Anger will bow. Greed will bow. Selfishness will bow. Domestic abuse will bow. Sex trafficking will bow. The abuse of children will bow. Lift up your hands. The media will bow. Yeah, this is true. The media will bow. Lift up your hands. Stand, I was going to say, stand with me. You are. With your hands raised. Look up here for a moment. All you got to do, guys, is bow. Bow to, Nab- bow to the statue. Shadrach, I'm not bowing. Meshach, I'm not bowing. Abednego, come on. I'm not bowing. The only one who's going to get me to bow is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the host of hosts. The only one that merits my worship is the one who created me in his image. Ephesians 2.10, the one who said, I am his masterpiece. I am his workmanship created for him by him before time to do his will. I want this church to look up here for a moment. I feel in my spirit such a burden. We can't bow. I know it sounds like a simplistic decree, declaration, exhortation, admonition, clarion call. It's way beyond that. This will define you. This will define you and your children and your children's children. Will we bow? Will we bow to the mob? Will we bow to the majority? We're a prophetic minority in a pathetic world. We've always been a countercultural narrative. These guys are my heroes. They said no. They just straight up, they didn't even think about it. Like, are you going to bow? No. They didn't even think about it. There's nothing to think about. Only one I worship is him. Only one that gets the glory is him.
Only one I praise is him. Everything will bow in the presence of Jesus. I want you to lift up your hands. I want to pray over you right now. I want to speak to everyone here who may have taken half a knee in the presence of fear, pressure, temptation. I want to speak to everyone here who may have bowed slightly, ever so slightly, in the presence of a threat, in the presence of a proclivity, an inclination, a habit, predisposition, a weakness, a sin. I want you to know that our God is a redeeming God. He is a forgiving God. First John chapter 1 verse 7 says that his blood cleanses us of all sins. Verse 9 says if we confess, it's automatically done. I love that. So today, we make a commitment in this church that we will not bow in the presence of lies, in the presence of ideologies, constructs, statues, idolatry. We will never bow in the presence of infirmity, sickness, problems, strife, discord. We will never bow in the presence of anything other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If that's your commitment, raise your right hand. If you promise that you promise today publicly in front of all these people that you will never bow before anything or anyone other than King Jesus, raise both hands. If you're never going to again bow in the presence of depression, fear, anxiety, or confusion, lift them up higher. If you're never going to surrender or bow to submit, surrender, or worship the sin, the temptation, lift them up a little bit higher. If you will only surrender before the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the consumer of our faith. Now I want you to give Jesus the best shout of praise you've given him. Somebody shout like your faith is about to convert into favor. Repeat after me. Faith becomes favor when I refuse to bow. If you got this word, lift up one hand. If you really got it, lift up both hands. All right. Faith becomes favor when faith goes through the what? The fire. We just covered point one. Point one. Next Sunday, we will preach on point two. Maybe three. No guarantees. Point two is guaranteed. Point three? Eh. So you want to be here. If you just want your faith to stay faith and you don't want to become favored, don't come next Sunday. But if you're ready for the favor of God, in you, with you, for you, and through you, which is the finished work of Christ, then be here next Sunday. Bring your family members and just tell them, get ready. Get ready. Watch. You're going to come out of here with God's favor in the name of Jesus. So be here. And next Sunday, I have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on stage. The fourth man, I already made an appointment. The fourth man will show up. So no joke, we're going to have a great time next Sunday here illustrating this sermon. It's going to be amazing. Right there where you stand. I don't want anyone to move because of the special. We, we began a little bit late because the other services, to be honest, God's glory showed up and it went over time. 
So it is what it is. I'm not going to apologize for that because it's not my doing. But it did go over time. But listen carefully. We usually wrap up right now this very second, but I want you to hear me. Don't, don't move, please. It's so special. Today we celebrate, we commemorate better yet, and honor 13 years. This is our church anniversary that we're celebrating today. 13 years ago, I, 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 I came out. Yeah, give the Lord a hand for 13 years of ministry. 